If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to Proverbs chapter 1. Tonight, uh, we're going to talk just uh, about some various uh, steps of wisdom that, uh, that, that we find in Proverbs. But I want to just remind us of, of what this is about. This is just a very simple teaching tonight about some aspects of life we need to think about that we find in the book of Proverbs. So in Proverbs chapter 1, it starts off like this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of, son of David, king of Israel. And it tells us to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. That's what this book's going to do for us. To, re, to receive instruction in wise dealing, to know how to deal with things wisely in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So as you read uh, through the Proverbs, Many times they'll talk about uh, the simple. They'll talk about people who don't understand. This is what this book is for, so we won't be simple, so that we will understand. And then it goes on and says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. So if you've been growing in wisdom, he says, you need to increase in it. And the one who understands uh, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and to saying the words of the wise and, the, and, the, and their riddles. Father, just let us capture things in every one of our lives that we need to capture tonight. Uh, let this be a refresher for us in some areas and revelation for us in others. And Father, let us be a people who grow in our understanding, grow in wisdom. So speak to us tonight, Lord, in these few moments, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We've titled this series, The Art of Living, because all of Proverbs is about that very thing, how to live our lives, the art of living. This is a book of instruction on how to live a wise life. And the only true wisdom is God's wisdom. He knows how life is supposed to work. And when we stray from God's way of doing things, uh, then we're leaning on our own wisdom, we're leaning on, leaning on other people's wisdom, and there's no assurance in that at all. But there's absolute assurance in God's wisdom. And so this book is all about teaching. Wisdom from God will teach us righteousness. What does that mean? It teaches us, in this passage, what it means is it teaches us what is right and how to do it. So in, in these areas of our life that are covered through the Proverbs, we're learning what is right, and we're learning how to do it. It, it teaches us about justice. So this, the Proverbs teaches us about what is fair, how, how we deal with each other in a fair way, and it teaches us about equity, which seems to mean how to be aligned rightly with God's will and in God's purpose. All of these have to do with being right in a moral sense and in an ethical sense uh, in our lives. So again, here it says to the simple and youth, that, that, that youth that means inexperienced, so that we can get knowledge like we have seen life. Now that is not, that's not just simply for young people, that's for anybody who's going into an area or living in a place where they are inexperienced. You know, the inexperience of being a new parent, the inexperience of being married, 
the inexperience of how to conduct yourself in a workplace, the inexperience of how to handle money. All of these things begin to get spoken to through the book of Proverbs and more, telling us how to deal with these things through God's wisdom and God's way so that we'll know what to do, just as if we had a lot of experience, just as if we'd live life and really experience things, we lean upon the Word for that experience. Discretion teaches us and helps us from being fooled by others. We begin to get this, as we walk in wisdom, we get discretion about our decisions. We're not just swept up in the culture of the day. We're not just swept up by what people tell us to do or, or the, the, the excitement of the moment. You know, there's certain times that it's not wise to make decisions. You know, I always tell you when we come even to our faith promises and missions, don't make your faith promise just after you've heard a missionary tell a really moving story. Let that missionary story take you to prayer. Prayer is what makes the biggest difference anyway, and then pray, God, what would you have me do about this with my finances? Don't get caught up in things. Don't go to some program and get caught up. Listen, people will get up and talk to us, and they are very convincing, and they stir, they, they pull at our heartstrings, and we get emotional and we say, yeah, I'll sign up for that or I'll do that. And the bottom line is they're just good salesmen and we don't know everything. You've got to step away from that moment. When you feel those heartstrings being pulled, you step away from them and say, what am I supposed to do with that emotion? I'm supposed to pray about this. And then at the end of the day, you make a decision based on what you prayed about and what you've listened to God. So it helps us to have discretion, not to get caught up in the emotional things of the day. It helps us with discretion about when things happen, when we're angry, when we're upset, you know, and people get mad and quit their job and storm out, get out in the car, get about four blocks down the road and realize, I got to pay the bills. What am I going to do? You know, I, I shouldn't have said that. I, words came out of my mouth to my wife or to my husband or to my kids that wound them. I shouldn't have said those things because they let their emotions lead them instead of discretion leading them. And so this book, this book teaches us about how to bring those things into, into control. And this book teaches us that the wise people increase in learning. You don't just get, oh, I've got all I need to know. You keep studying, you keep learning, you keep growing. Those who understand that they need wisdom come to this book for instruction. Show me how to deal with this. And so this is why we tell you that one of the great things you can do for your life is take the book of Proverbs and make it a part of your devotional life. Just read a chapter a day. Read it over and over and over again, a chapter a day. So it's, if it's July 1st, you read chapter 1. If it's July 21st, you read chapter 21. And you don't have to read it straight through, so if you miss a day, just go to the next day. Don't, don't be so legalistic about it that, you, oh, I feel guilty, I didn't get my reading, I, 
I can't, I can't keep up now, and then you quit. No, just, just stay after it. And, and read a chapter a day, and as you read that chapter, here's what I always encourage people to do. We can get in this deal where we read, and then we walk away, and we don't remember what we've read. And so one of the easy tools to help you is you read that chapter, and you stop, and you think, okay, what kind of jumped off the page to me in that chapter? What really spoke to me? in that chapter. And if you, nothing did, go back, kind of, glide, kind of glide through it again, you don't have to read it word for word, just kind of glide through until, until something kind of resonates with you and begins to speak to you. And then, then you take that and say, okay, I'm going to think about that all day today. I'm going to remember what it said about that all day today, and I'm going to let this get into my thinking and get into my actions so that I've got a presence of this going on in my life. So that's a, that's a tool. Proverbs chapter 22 gives us some sayings of the wise, and we're going to look at at some of these sayings. So in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 22, it says this to us. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate. The Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. That's a little scary, isn't it? The word for the poor here is about the feeble or the weak. And this isn't just about people being impoverished in money, and so I've got more money than them and I can take advantage of them. It's not feeble in the sense of they are old and weak. This is feeble in the sense that you are stronger than them. You, they are weaker than you. This can be because of a position. You may be a manager, and they may be an employee. This may be some place where you're making some investment, and they're having to answer to you in some way. It can be any place where you have strength over somebody else. You have power over them. Maybe a child in the home. And when you look at this, it also talks about the gate. The gate in, this, in, in that day, whenever you read, many times, whenever you read in the Old Testament about the gate, it's talking about the seat of justice. The gate of the city is where the wise men, the elders of the city would sit, and they would make decisions about justice, about what is right and wrong. And he's saying, you don't, you don't twist justice against people just because they're weak. You do what is just and and what is right. So when you think about the gate, it's where disputes and problems would be brought, where sales would be finalized, and uh, and, and we would understand that we're going to come to some understanding that will resolve disputes in the future. So what God is saying is, listen, I'm watching you. I'm paying attention to what's going on. Don't hold back from the weak just because you can. Do what is right. Do the right thing. If you owe them money, give them money. If, you, you know, if, if, if you're dealing with them, deal with them respectfully and kindly. Don't take advantage of their weakness, but be one who is right and just. So, so who is weak? 
anyone you have power over, anybody you have power over, becomes this person that you can, you can impact their life in a really negative way, and he's saying don't do that. Make your judgments fairly. Fairly. Now, this, this takes sometimes uh, a bit for us to uh, pray about this and to say, God, let, let me hear from you. Is there anybody in my life that I'm treating them less than respectfully, less than honestly, less than fairly, because I can? Just because I can. Maybe I'm mad at them. Maybe they did something to me. Maybe, you know, they, you know, they ticked me off sometime in the past. And, but now I've got power. And I'm taking advantage of that power. And we've got to pray. Say, God, I want to be open to you. I've ju- maybe I've ju- have I justified any action? Have I done anything? And now I'm being unfair to them. Say, so, well, they were unfair to me. Well, that's not, God's not worried about that. He's going to take care of that. That's his, you let that rest with him. We've got to rest with how we're going to act. We've got to determine what kind of people we're going to be. And the wise person determines, I'm going to do what's just, even if it's to somebody who hasn't dealt justly with me in the past. I'm going to do the just thing and the right thing because ultimately I'm not that person's servant, I'm God's servant. And I'm going to do what pleases him even though my flesh would like to get back at them, and now I've got the opportunity to do it. So we, we pray our way through this. We, we seek our way through it. And we ask, if everything was, was fair, if I didn't have any past history with them, how would I treat them? If they had power over me, how would I treat them? This is one of the great ways to measure this. If you, if you just, just think about it in these terms. You come into church on a Sunday morning, and... Uh, there are people that it's easy to talk to. Or you have a, a, a group of friends that you like to hang out with. And there's somebody else there that for whatever reason, you know, their, their social abilities, whatever reason it might be, they're a little more difficult to deal with. Well, how do you treat them? How do you respond to them? And if you take yourself and you say, okay, I'm going to put, when I look at that person, I'm going to put in my mind the way I would see someone that really had power over me. How would I treat them then? Well, that's, that's the way you want to treat them. Say, well, they're difficult. This isn't taking away that somebody may be difficult. It's talking about what we're going to be like, how we're going to live our life. So we don't hold back from the weak. We make our judgments fairly. We do what is right and fair. We treat people rightly. The Lord loves fairness. He loves it when we treat people with equity and justice and righteousness. He he loves it when we do that, even when we do that to our enemies. He says, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Tells us to love our enemies. He tells us to to get above the fray of the world and walk in the justice and righteousness of the kingdom of God. And here is the promise for all to hear. 
God will be a God of justice. He's going to be just to us. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, if you're being just to other people, celebrate. You're being just to other people and they don't even appreciate it. They're, you're being just to other people and maybe they're in some way trying to take advantage of it or are, are belittling you, in the, but you're doing, you're doing what's right, even though their words are nasty, even though their actions are unkind. You're doing what's right. God says, I'm going to deal with you in, ju- in justice. I'm going, to, I'm going to be a God of justice to you. And he says, I'm going to bless you for doing that. And then he, but the, the, the other side of it is this. God is a God of justice. If I'm not being fair, if I'm not doing what's right, if I'm being unkind and unfair and taking advantage of it, God's going to deal in justice with me there. Now, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I want God to deal with me in justice because I've been just, not in justice because I've been unjust. And so that's the call to us. That can be very, when we dig into our lives in that, we can be going along feeling fully justified because of what somebody else has done to us to do un righteous, unfair, uneven things back to them because you know what? They deserve it and God's saying stop it. Stop it. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Well, what if they take advantage of it? What if they, you know, they, they, they receive it but they're still mean? That's their problem. It's not your problem. Your problem is how do you decide to act? What do you decide to be? I can't be their character. I can only deal with my character. And God's telling us to, to be just. So it can be anybody. It can be an outsider. It can be someone we've done business with. It can be somebody that we take care of. It can be an elderly person or a child. Am I dealing justly? Proverbs twenty two twenty four takes another turn for us. It says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Friendship is a big deal in the Bible. We should have friends who are close to us, friends that, that, that we can talk to, friends that we're connected with. We are warned not to be friends, uh, not to be in relationships where evil or wickedness can influence us. Used to have this discussion a lot of times when I was a youth pastor, and you'd have some, you know, they'd have some friend at school that was really influencing them, you know, not to, to do their homework or to, to be rebellious. Or, and, I, and I'd say to them, you, know, you just got to cut yourself off from them. You, you can't handle their influence in your life. And I'd say, oh, I can't do that. That'd be too mean. They're my friend. I'd say, no, they're not. They're not really your friend, they're really hurting you. We've got to recognize the people who come into our life that, uh, that hurt us or that wound us, and we pay attention to it. You know, my wife and I have a pact together. We started when we were very young in our marriage that, that if we saw anybody in relationship with the other one that made if, the, if, if she is in a relationship and it began to make me uncomfortable, if I began to think this is impacting her in a negative way, uh, I don't like 
the way things are developing in her life, that I had the freedom to go to her and say, uh, I think you need to chill it with this person. I see things developing that I'm concerned about. And she had the same freedom with me. And we've only exercised that one or two times in our marriage. But both of us, if we see where that influence is negative, and you say, well, well what if they're... No, 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 listen. When you, when you got married, you said forsaking all others, cleave only unto them. You made a vow of trust and commitment. And if they look at you and they say, you know what, I'm really uncomfortable with this, they should be, they should be helping you. Now, if they look and they say, uh, I'm really uncomfortable with everybody who's your friend, you should just stay home and hang out with me. Then maybe you need to say, I'm uncomfortable with that statement. Let's go find a, a counselor to help us work through it. Let's go find somebody that's going to talk to us about it. But if in all of our life, we need people in our life that if they see that we're being influenced in a negative way, that when they say time out, it's a timeout. Now, here's a great question. Here's one of the ways you measure this in your life. You've got some relationship going, especially if you're single, you start in this dating relationship with somebody or you get into this uh, career with somebody, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden in the middle of this, you're deciding, all of my really strong Christian friends, I'm not going to talk to them about this. I certainly don't want to talk to one of the pastors about this. When you begin to pull away from the people who want a righteous end for you, that's a pretty good sign you've been, you've been, you're being influenced by somebody who's going to harm you. You don't want to be in that. You, you, want to, you should be able to freely go to the people who want a righteous end for you, and they should be celebrating with you. Uh, we are called to make careful choices in who's allowed to influence. Now, that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean if we're strong enough and healthy enough, we don't have friends who are unsaved or lost or have some issues in their life. We just have to be strong enough that those things aren't going to influence us, and we've got to be careful that we're not influenced by them. We are called to be faithful brothers to those who choose uh, cho that we choose to be friends with, to help them. We're called to be loyal to those people and to keep our commitment. But here is a very clear piece of guidance. To not be in a friendship with a person who is given to anger or given to revenge. I, I had a, I've had a couple of friends in my life who were like that, uh, given to anger. And uh, both of these guys were, were pretty good friends with me. And, and my mistake, my mistake with them uh, was I never called them on it. Now, they were these, they, they could be very angry guys. It was just never focused at me. It was never focused. It was focused at maybe people they worked with or people that were in association with them. They would blow off and say stuff and do stuff. And, and, uh, and, and I was just like, oh man, you know, I just didn't, I didn't really call them on their anger. That was an error on my part. That was an error with both of them. I learned a lesson through it. Uh, years I would be told about it, but it wasn't focused on me. <clears throat> and so, you know, okay. Until one day when it was. 
until the day came when individually both these guys at different times in my life got angry at me. And then it was too late. At that point, there was no fixing the issue. I was just another person in their, in their, in, in their sights to blast. And I remember talking to him and said, but brother, you and I are friends. We need to talk about this. And him going, this is a guy who had been in my wedding. We'd been friends for 25 years. And he looked at me and says, you don't know me. We're not friends. Well, that was painful. That was painful. But the problem wasn't him, even though it was him. The problem was me. I hadn't spoken up with it sooner. I hadn't come to this conclusion that either he's going to get better or the day's going to come it's going to be focused on me. So here's this warning. You're going to learn his ways. Uh, I did eventually. I learned their ways all right. I tasted it from both of them. Anger eventually gets focused on you. It eventually gets turned on you. Now I've told this and talked about this with Many people in dating relationships who are dating somebody who has a hot temper and they'll say, oh, he never treats me that way. Eventually he's going to. Eventually he will. Eventually it's going to get focused on you. Eventually it's going to turn on you. Anger will eventually come back our direction if we're in association with people who get angry. It's just, when's it going to come my direction? When's it going to happen? And so we've got to either separate ourselves from it or fix it. And if it's not fixable, then we've got to protect ourselves in it. Or you become like them. You begin to become angry. Or you become tainted by them. You get entangled in their anger. And you begin to be influenced by their anger. And then they do something and you're a part of it, you're associated with it, you're in the middle of a mess because of their anger. So the, the Bible says it's really easy. Don't, don't hang out with people who get easily angered. Just don't spend your time there. If they're not going to fix that in their life, then they're not going to deal with that in their life. They're setting reason aside they're just angry in the way they live from time to time or maybe a lot of the time and it's just not coming your way. Get away from it. Proverbs twenty two twenty eight. Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Now, capture this. It doesn't say don't move the ancient landmark that your father has set. It says don't move the ancient landmark that your fathers have said. He's really talking here in this case about the wise men, the wise people uh, in the community. This would have had a lot to do at that point in time with property lines. It would have had to do with territorial lines. It would have had to do with religious symbols and religious markers that they set up from time to time at different places. But what does it mean to us today? What it means to us today and why God left that in his word and didn't keep it out of his word is, is there are other markers that are very clear. 
Don't change your sense of right and wrong. Don't let the culture move that boundary marker. There are things the Bible says are right, and there are things the Bible says are wrong. Don't let that boundary marker be changed in your life. Things should have changed since you became a Christian. You should have moved places and been transformed, and your life should have been, you should be able to look back on your life and say, that's what I was, here's what I am now, I wonder what's coming next. There should be a progression of spiritual growth in your life, a progression of emotional growth in your life, a progression of spiritual maturing in your life. And some things, as you come into Christ, should have lost their hold on you, and other things should have grabbed a hold of you because you're walking in the Spirit of God. And you should be able to identify those things. You should be able to recognize what those things are. So what he's saying here is don't don't do things that they said, really, in this case, that the Bible says not to do. This has to do with our choices. Don't make choices in life where there's a marker set up, even though the culture of the day says it's okay. Even though the culture of what you grew up in may say it's okay. Let the Bible be our guidepost and lock us in. Don't stop doing the things that they told you to do. This has to do with our actions. And, and it comes down, this comes down so practical in our life. So maybe you're a Christian person and you were you know, raised, your parents raised you in church and they established before you a boundary and a set way of attending church. Don't change that. You know, don't, don't move that to something lighter. If anything, look in the Word and say, I'm going to do that more. I'm going to be more in that line. Uh, you know, your language barriers, alcohol barriers. What, is the, what have you been taught? What does the Bible say about them? What's good for you? What's not good for you? Look, at the, look in the Word of God and let those things. Don't excuse them away. Don't push them away. Don't, don't ignore them, but grab a hold of them and don't let them be moved in our life. So we have to, we have to become these people who look and say, you know what? My foundation is the teaching of God's Word, the revelation of His Word, and those people in my life who have been mature believers who've had success in these areas of their life. And I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to grow in them. I'm going to establish those things in my life, and I'm not going to compromise them. I'm not going to move away from them. There are things that I don't do in my life that I look at right now and I think, I don't think that's sin. But my dad said to me, I, I, you shouldn't do this. My mom said to me, you, you, you don't need to do this. And I still don't do them. I, I still, I'm 62 years, I still don't do them. I don't excuse it. There was a reason they were telling me those things. 
there was a reason for some of those things in my life, and I still pay attention to them. And so I, I want to encourage you, listen to those things. There's a reason sometimes a boundary marker's been set. And you get that thing set, you learn about it, and you stay faithful to it. This is where people compromise their life and end up being like the world instead of like Christ. They, they, they begin to, con- oh, that's not too bad, I can do that. Oh, that's not too bad. I can do that. Oh, I don't need to be that radical. I don't need to be that committed. I don't need to be that. I, 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 can, I can, and next thing you know, they just look like this Americanized, you know, form of Christian where they say they're a Christian and then they attach all their American values on it and try to live like the world and look like the world. And if you look at them real closely and you don't ask them any questions, you wouldn't know the difference between them and their neighbor who doesn't, doesn't profess God at all. You don't see it. The, the, the mar- the, all the markers are gone. All the stuff's gone. So what, what is this telling us? Beware of compromise. Beware of compromise. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. This isn't about legalism. This is about safety. This isn't about, oh, I got to do these things to get to heaven. No, it's about I'm going to do these things to be wise. I'm not going to do some things to be wise. I'm going to set some boundaries in my life. Uh, You know, I talked to you a little bit uh, about, you know, Renee and I. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've, I've noticed in years and years of dealing with extremely troubled marriages. Uh, one, most of the time in really troubled marriages, they don't know how to argue. They argue to win instead of arguing to build. They, they want to win the fight instead of building a good relationship. And they argue to win. They don't listen. They don't pay attention to each other. You can sit in a room with them. And before long, they're both talking, and they're talking right past each other, and they're not listening to the other person at all, and key words just set them both off. So that's, that's one of the things that happens. The other thing that happens that's really subtle is one or the other of them uh, break a boundary emotionally with somebody that maybe they have an attraction to someplace else. Now listen, here's, here's what, I, what I learned in this. When I was single, wasn't married, I'm a single guy, and I could uh, go to a party or go to an event and uh, look around and say, okay, there, there's a girl I'd like to get. No wonder what she's like. And I had all the freedom in the world to go get to know that girl and see if God led us anyplace. That was freedom. Now, once I got married, once I stood at an altar and said, forsaking all others, keep only unto you, uh, that changed. That changed. Now, if, if, if you walk into a place and there's any kind of attraction, you go, I've got to be cautious there. 
my flesh will lie to me. I've got to be, I got to be, I can be friendly with them, but I've got to keep the boundary with them. I've got to be cautious in how much time I spend there. And you set boundaries. Because what happens is this. If you don't set those boundaries, you meet that person, you begin to talk, you begin to, maybe they, not only are they attractive you know, physically to you, but they're, their personality is attractive, attractive to you, and then you begin to share your woes together, and you discover they've got a, some, some of the same woes that you have, and all of a sudden start, something starts building in you that shouldn't be building in you. And you're less likely to want to fix what's broken. You just want to take what isn't working right and go running off to somebody else. So you, you've got to beware of compromises got to beware of these things. Where are the boundaries in my life? Where should they be in my life? And I'm going to live inside of those boundaries. <coughs> Excuse me. And so in, in every area of your life, you're looking at those things in life, and you're saying, where, are the ba- where should the boundary stones at this day and age of my life uh, be at? I mean, it, this is, I don't want to belabor this too, and we're going to wrap this up in a second, but this is Probably nobody in this room struggling with this, but so you have some young guy and he gets married, some young girl they gets they get married and they're in this relationship, and all of a sudden they get on this you know softball team or some team, and the next thing you know they're playing softball four nights a week, and wanting to travel on weekends with the team, and when they were single, when they were single. You know, more power to them. They can do whatever they want. Now that they're married, they got a wife at home. They better, they better take care of their wife at home. They, they, better, they better sit and say, you know what, I can't do that as much anymore. I'm going to be focused here a little bit more. So it's, it's recognized as you go through the life, what are the right boundaries in life? When we raise our kids, we raise them teaching them boundaries. Then they go off to college, whatever, on their own, Christian University, secondary, whatever it is, and what do they do? They experiment with the boundaries. And if they're smart, maybe about halfway through their freshman year or halfway through their sophomore year, they begin to realize, wow, those, if I don't go to bed on time, I can't stay awake in class tomorrow and my grades suffer. I better bring some of mom and dad's boundaries back into my life. And they begin to smarten up. This is a way for all of us. Keep the boundaries. Recognize what they are. Keep the boundaries in life. Beware of compromise. All right, let's stand together. Father, we've meddled in a lot of stuff tonight, but we've just taken your word and shared just some wise things. I pray that tonight, Father, as we, as we stand, if there's any place where we're compromising, any place where we've moved some of the ancient landmarks that have been set before us in our moral life and our thinking and our actions, that tonight, Father, you would let, let your spirit trigger that in our spirit, that we would see it and we would accept the instruction of your word. Father, we, I pray tonight, if, there, if, if we're in close association with someone who is filled with wrath, filled with anger, that, that tonight we would recognize, well, this, this isn't good for me. This isn't 
great for me. And, and you would just help us and guide us, Father, to be a people who make wise decisions and do wise things. And Father, we, we pray tonight that if there's anyone in our life who is weaker than us at this moment, at this time, and we are somehow not being fair with them, that you would speak to us and set, that we would set our excuses of why we're doing what we're doing aside. And we would choose the path to be fair with them. Uh, Lord, help us to be wise in your kingdom. Help us to learn this great art of living that's laid out for us in Proverbs. And Father, let us accept your truth in our lives and not the world's truth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord tonight.